This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report, online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. And welcome to it. I am Marco Flalo, as always, joined by Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Mitchell, wonderful, wonderful week. Lots of stuff to talk about on Twitter. Follow us at Your Tech Report, facebook.com slash yourtechreport. Contact at yourtechreport.com, our email address. Some fun stuff coming up this week. We're going to talk to a, a very cool company, Altel Robotics, about a new kind of drone that caught our eye. We're oh, going to yeah. talk to uh, one of their wonderful representatives, David Weir, our gaming editor from Glasgow, Scotland. He's going to join us once more to talk about the latest release in the Gears of War franchise. But as always, Mitchell, what a week in tech. What a week in tech. How do you not start off a show talking about the horrific turn of events for such a poor, poor company, poor Samsung, poor Samsung, uh, Mitchell? You know, I know a lot of people are joking around about this, and we, you know, we, we tend to joke. make jokes too. But <laughs> this is this is this is not funny stuff. And the, the listen, Samsung has come a long way in terms of they've always been a big brand um, all over the world. But in terms of making a name in the states with their smartphones, their brilliant smartphones, their Galaxy line of smartphones and tablets, they have done an amazing job over the year. Different iterations, they're they're. they're their products get better and better. We all know their televisions are amazing. Uh, they make up great appliances. But like you said, their reputation took a big hit oh, several boy. weeks back with the initial, uh, the initial release of the Galaxy Note Seven and uh, the well-documented explosion, catching on fire, bursting into flames, steaming hot, smoking. And what did they do? They had a massive recall through their own brand and through all their retailers. Uh, they recalled every one, every one of those phones and said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to replace the batteries, we're going to give you a new phone, and it'll have a new battery because that's the problem. The batteries are the issue. So what happens, Mark? They come around, they send out Wave 2, they have to take back millions of devices, they send out millions of new ones, and what happens? They start exploding again. And this created a you-know-what storm, uh, figuratively and literally, and it just has been downhill. And now the PR machine is at work for Samsung trying to right this ship and retain the image of, of making great... And they've always made great products. Let's make that clear. So people don't think that we're jumping on the bandwagon to bury Samsung. We're not. And they're not dead. They're not going anywhere. But this is costing them billions of dollars in terms of the financial aspect. But, Mark, how much more is it causing them in terms of damage to the reputation which cannot necessarily be put in dollars. This is this is what's hard to figure out because you know in dollars and cents and on paper, what we know is that it's about a three billion dollar loss Ugh, for the company. Killer. Now, the, the funny thing is, is that even with that three billion dollar loss, they're still a profitable company because yeah. of all the different aspects of that company. So so that's definitely something that's there. 
I mean, this week they, they officially canceled it. It's done. It's it, they production it. is it's over. Done. They're yep. asking people to send back every device. They're sending these fireproof kits for people to send them back. They will not send them on uh, any kind of flight. They have to come back ground. It's almost um, like a hazmat. They, they send you like a hazmat yeah, package with gloves to pack and everything this thing in, right? Um, airlines are the airlines are holding uh, fireproof bags to contain the devices if one happens to get on a flight. Um, you know, three billion dollars. That's a large, large, large loss. And their mobile chief yeah. is vowing to reign, you know, regain the trust of their consumers. But I just don't know. You know, in my opinion, what needs to happen right now is that this company needs to lay low. On the mobile side of things, you really need to lay low. Don't try and rush some product out to try and, you know, pick up the storm. You know, they're offering people a $100 uh, loyalty bonus if you want to, you know, switch to an S7 Edge, for example. Right. Um, but, you know, this this phone, I was so looking forward to it. I really, it's a beautiful really phone. Was. It is, <laughs> when it doesn't catch on fire, it's great. Yeah, it was great. And, you know, no one really knows, even Samsung themselves don't know the cause of this. That's the scariest part. They've tried. They're, you know, No matter what they've done, no matter how many devices they get back in hand, they're still not sure what is going on. Is this something that has to do with rushing the hardware out? Does it have to do with the battery manufacturing? We just don't know. Um, and you know, this is what we're dealing with now. The fallout. You know, they're saying forty percent of people are not going to be brand loyal, which is, I guess, a, a good thing for Samsung. I mean, forty percent is a small number if you consider that you know being out of a hundred. Uh, you know, sixty percent will eh, stay with the brand. I, you know, I, I that's, guess. When you talk about dollars, imagine your salary being cut forty percent. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> if you look at it that way, it's you know, yes, it's not. A, they're not losing everyone, but forty percent mark is awfully close to losing half your brand loyalty, or half your customer. And uh, I mean, it does beg the question, you brought up something really interesting in terms of what Samsung should do moving forward to make, to, not to make this go away, but just to make sure that the damage does not go any further than it already has. Now, you're saying maybe lay low, but there's another school of thought that says, look, people know what's going on here. People, customers are not stupid. Consumers are not all stupid. We're not completely dumb. We can be bamboozled. We can be, you know, ooh, shiny, must have the shiny. That can happen. But they're not dumb. So what do we do here? You're saying they should lay low. Perhaps everyone knows what's happening. If they lay low, it looks like they're kind of ignoring, like maybe if we close our eyes, it'll go away. Maybe do something sort of in between what you were saying is, which is promote that, the, first of all, the Galaxy Note 7, I mean, the Galaxy S7 Edge is a brilliant, brilliant phone that does yeah. not catch on fire. Uh, almost as brilliant as, and does almost exactly the same stuff as the Note 7, except, of course, for the stylus and the screen. But uh, why not just go full bore, full bore and just embrace the phones that they have out now that are working, that are successful? Or does that look too much like, or, hey, look at this hand, or look at this hand that's you know, catching on fire? You, you know, know what? If I was a PR agency right now, you, you just gave me the, the, the best idea, which is, you know, go full force and spend your marketing dollars and say, pick up the the beautiful Galaxy S7 Edge, fire not included. Um, exactly. You know, I mean, yeah, you're <laughs> making a joke out of it. Well, you it know, won't I, explode. It, yeah. it won't explode. I mean, there's so many ways to look at it. I think at the end of the day, do you think the Note name for a device from Samsung is ever going to come back? I think there's a good chance. I, I, I hope that it will because this one device does not define that phone. Remember, Mark, this was a phone that when it originally came out, people laughed at this device. It's like, oh, it's too big. Who wants this? If I wanted a stylus, I'd have a it tablet. It created blah, blah, blah. the phablet. I mean, they it created, created the phablet. It, yeah. 
And you know what? It was a great idea because it found its audience. That audience continued to grow. And people realized, although, as Steve Jobs famously said in his original keynote for the original iPhone, no one wants to use a stylus as their main form of input. That's what we have our hands for and our fingers for. It was a great alternative use. It had a great alternative use. People loved additionally being able to use a stylus that came packed in with every model. And I think the way they designed it, the way they took the stylus to the next level, the second you removed it from the from the device itself, the apps would turn on. I mean, it was really, really well done. I mean, I'm sitting here, you know, the folks at AT&T were kind enough. They, they sent me a lot of devices and they've been great about that. And uh, I, I'm sitting here with this Note 7 right now and I know I have to get rid of it, but it kills me. I can't turn it don't on. Do I'm afraid it. to turn it on. Just don't tell anybody about it. It's yeah, got, it's got it's to go in the cell phone museum, in my opinion. It has to, it's yeah. one of these devices that in, in 20 years from now, we're going to look back going, <laughs> remember that phone, that thing that we used to use in our hand, not implanted in our head? But you know what, Mark? I think if we're, if we're talking to our audience now and <clears throat> asking them to do something, we have to be willing to do the same. And I think the thing is, you know, Samsung is even incentivizing people to, number one, return their devices, yeah. financially incentivizing it, and giving people an extra, you know, financial a rebate, I believe, to get another, a different Samsung device, such as the S7 Edge, which is an amazing phone. Yeah. Absolutely love it. So make sure if you do have it, and this is, you know, us being responsible, not wanting to hold on to our gear selfishly. If you have a Galaxy S, if you have a Galaxy Note 7, please do return it. Please do bring it into your local carrier wherever you bought it or call them. Call their 800 number, go online and make, you know, make have them send you the package. It isn't safe to have around. We're not making a joke about this. And they you will get a rebate toward another Samsung phone should you choose. And as we said before, Samsung is even incentivizing people sending these phones in because of it being a danger. Forget about the implications financially. It's just plain old dangerous. So do your part. Send in your phone. Get a different phone. Get some extra money. You'll be happy you did. Later this week, BMW unveiled their latest 2017 5 Series, Mitchell. This is going to be the first vehicle to actually use wireless CarPlay. Um, which means that you'll be able to bring your iOS device into your car and not have to tether it. You're not going to have to plug it in to get all those CarPlay-related features. Now, if you think back about a year almost, um, uh, Volkswagen was going to be the first one to unveil this at CES, um, right. but they didn't because Apple said, hold off, it's just not ready. So obviously the technology <laughs> is ready, and we're going to start seeing this rollout in the uh, BMW, which is kind of cool. But another car-related news, this one caught my <laughs> attention because there's one manufacturer, okay, currently one manufacturer, that it has dominated the luxury car sales market in the U.S. over the past year. And to give you a little history, Mitchell, okay, 10 years ago that list included Mercedes, BMW, Land Rover. Right. But the company we are talking about, Tesla. Oh, boy. 10 years ago, the <laughs> thought of an electric car dominating the roads would have been brushed off as a tail. I mean, would yep. have said, like, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? Here we are today. The company's taking a 32% market share in the U.S., of the luxury vehicle market. So a big congrats to them and you know some exciting stuff coming up from Tesla in the coming weeks. Two announcements, one specific to the uh, obviously the cars and one specific to uh, Elon Musk's Solar City. We have no idea what these are. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I had a chance again. My, my buddy Mike actually got himself a Tesla, and I had a chance to ride in one again. And he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I just got a software update which gave me this functionality." He showed me <laughs> on his car. I mean, just the idea. I mean, if you had told anyone. Uh, let's say 30 years ago, when, when there weren't computers in cars 30 years ago. He said, you know what? You're going to be able to update your... What do you mean update my car? Well, uh, wirelessly... What do you mean wirelessly? What's that? 
So, I mean, all these new, all the new things that are in this car, it can wirelessly update itself as long as you leave the feature on and add functionality. That's how it added autopilot to the car. People forget that these cars are capable of autonomous driving. It just isn't legal yet. So, I mean, all the stuff that can be added through software and forget, look at all the technology Tesla built, Mark, forget about that. They built a gorgeous car. Yeah. It's a gorgeous car. I mean, remember when they used to retrofit the Lotus Elan? I wonder why they called it that. Uh, they took retrofitted the Lotus Elan with uh, electric underpinnings, and that's how, that was their first actual Tesla car. Now they make their own gorgeous car. So, yeah, kudos to them as well. For those of you waiting for the new Apple Watch, if you've been waiting for the new Apple Nike Watch edition, no wait any longer. Uh, October 28th is the date you'll be able to pick that up. Um, obviously, this is the Nike-branded watch with that beautiful, uh, breathable strap, Mitchell. It comes with Nike Plus Faces plus the new Nike Plus Run app. There's a whole social network involved. There's a Nike Plus Club, uh, social club space, so you can actually integrate that watch with that social network and interact with people. Have you jumped on the Watch 2 bandwagon yet, or are you still... You're still sticking with your Series 1 edition, excuse me, Mom. You know what? I, I am still sticking with my Series 1. I'm still enjoying the benefits that Watch OS 3 has actually brought to the device. It has made it a snappier device. It's enhanced the functionality. I don't find myself as bogged down by the hardware as I used to before the software update, so I'm sticking with what I have for now. For me, Mark, I'm thinking if you're not a swimmer... Uh, and you just love the watch. The best buy right now is will be the is the revamped series one, the 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 yeah. new series one that has the same processor as the series two. It just doesn't have the waterproofing and the GPS and you know that's of that. But it has the new processor. So if you're looking for a snappier version of what you have and want to save some money and waterproofing and GPS are not a big deal to you, then maybe getting a new series one at a, what is it a two two hundred and what is it two forty nine or something yeah, ridiculously US, cheap. That, that's the best deal. But personally, I'm going to hold out and wait because I like the waterproofing and GPS. But I'll eventually get it. For now, I'm happy with my series, my original, original Series 1. This October 31st, Apple's, ob, Apple's obsoleting two devices, Mitchell. The uh, iPhone 4 is going to be obsolete, meaning you can get no hardware updates, nothing Aww. to do with that device. And the late 2010 MacBook Air. It's a routine exercise they do every couple of years. If it's older than five years old uh, and less than seven years ago that it was released, they're going to obsolete those devices, which leads me to wonder when are we going to see a new update on the computers? I am sick and tired of this. It has been five years, almost five years, that the MacBook Pro with Retina Display was actually released, and there's been one update to that thing. One update in this whole period of time, let alone the MacBook Airs that are still non-Retina Displays. It is absolutely pissing me off. Rumors are pointing to a media event in a couple weeks, but no right. confirmations whatsoever. I think I figured this whole thing out, Mark, and you may, you may agree with me when you hear this. <clears throat> I think what I figured out is the one thing that is holding, and I'm not, you think I'm going to make a joke, I'm not. The one thing that is holding this all up is, is the alleged, again, a little air quote in my voice, the alleged partnership between Apple and LG making a new monitor for Apple that includes built-in graphics chips. So, if this is the device that's going to take your... Because think about, think about the way Apple's going right now, Mark. Every one of their computers, pretty much, is losing uh, a lot of its internal hardware to go with a you know, system on a chip, everything on a motherboard, no more moving parts such as DVD or CD drives. Everything is going to this modular design, okay? Even their desktops, like the, you know, the Mac Mini, which hasn't seen an update. Uh, the MacBook Pro line, the MacBook Air. These are all losing internals, which means dedicated graphics chips, dedicated graphics cards, 
cards may go the way of the dodo as well, just like the you know the hard you know the the platter hard drives are disappearing and the CD you know CD ROMs DVD ROMs are disappearing. So. What will facilitate making all these devices more powerful? A monitor that has a built-in graphics card that will automatically enhance and work in tandem with your computer to accelerate and make the graphics that much better without having to bog down the original device with extra bulky parts. So if that's the case, maybe this partnership with LG, if it is truly LG, maybe this it's taking a little longer to get this monitor to market. Remember, Mark, they pulled out the old cinema monitors from the, you know, from the Apple stores months ago. Oh, yeah. How how often does Apple pull a product before having a new one within two weeks ready to go? They never do I've that. I've never seen this that. Is, exactly. So maybe they're just waiting for this monitor to come out that will work in tandem with their new line of computers. That's my theory. It is your tech report. Mark Aflalo Mitchell Whitfield with you. Coming up still, David Weir from Glasgow, Scotland, plus a very cool new drone, but not before we dive into PlayStation VR. Stick around. Your tech report. We'll be right back. Welcome back to your tech report. Welcome back, Mark Aflalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you. Still to come, David Weir from Glasgow, Scotland. Autel Robotics and their latest drone. Very cool stuff. But Mitchell. Yes. You bought yourself a little toy, didn't you? A little PlayStation VR action. I couldn't help it. You know, we, we couldn't get one from our friends at Sony. I went and got one for myself. First of all, this is going to be my initial impressions. I'll go into more detail in the coming weeks as I play it more. But PlayStation VR, Sony's answer to the Oculus and the HTC Vive, their answer to VR. But the best part is it's built into the PlayStation platform. It's built into the PlayStation 4. So now developers know they already have a dedicated user base built right in. And it doesn't cost a lot to get in compared to, compared to you know, the Oculuses of the world and the Vives of the world. Uh, $399 will get you the VR headset, Mark. Although I recommend if you can afford it, the $499 launch bundle, which comes with the two Move controllers, which you actually need for some of the games, not all of them. Uh, and it actually comes with the Sony camera that you will need, of course, for the VR experience. You'll definitely need the camera, won't necessarily need those Move controllers for everything. Initial impressions are, uh, impressions are the hardware, Mark, is great. Out of all the VR headsets, I think the PlayStation VR headset it has the best build quality, the most comfortable and just the best quality feel out of all of them. Very comfortable to wear. Uh, it isn't the resolution isn't as high as the other, you know, as the Oculus and the Vive. Yeah. But it's still, even though the resolution isn't quite as good as the other ones, it, the effect, the VR effect, is still stunning. Uh, I, I, I loved what came actually in the box, which is Sony's Playroom, which is a bunch of different mini games that comes bundled with it that you download as soon as you get the game. It gives you a free download to buy it. The mini games are amazing. It's a great way to show off what the product can do when friends come over to your house to visit. Uh, you're put in these room with Sony's little robots around you playing games with you. Uh, the effect is really immersive. And, uh, you know, I told you a long time ago when I started playing first with the Gear VR and then the Oculus, you don't know what it's like to be immersed into a VR world until you put the headset on. The great thing about the Sony product is other people in the room can play with you watching the television while you're playing using the headset. So there are oh. games that allow you to play in VR That's while cool. your teammates are playing with you on the couch watching the television. It's amazing. Um, little little sad story for you. Uh, Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, one of the you know one of the horrifying horror games, one of the release games. I again, much like I did with the Oculus game uh, and Dreadhalls, I was screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> 
sheerly out of fear playing until dawn rush of blood i really we should we should get our youtube stuff going because if you saw me playing this you would be hysterical my son was playing it he was horrified uh like i said this this is all kudos to sony for making a product that was so immersive i i i give it a big thumbs up it's a wonderful system it works as advertised and if you can get your hands on one do it full review next week right here on your tech report coming up our good friends at Autel Robotics and all about their latest drone. And of course, David Weir. Your Tech Report will be right back. This is Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Marco Flalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you. Mitchell, you have this giddy look on your face. I'm not entirely sure why, but I have a feeling you're going to tell me. Uh, yeah, you, you can tell it's visible, isn't it? it well, is. you know, one of the things we love to do on our show is talk about technology, of course, that we're passionate about, stuff that we particularly love. And when you guys end up loving it, too, that's just a bonus. And it's no secret that I've had an ongoing love affair with drones. Nothing naughty, nothing I can't tell my wife about, but it's something that I'm just very passionate about. So when I get excited about stuff that I hear about that I didn't know about. And at the same time, I get a little embarrassed because I thought I knew everything out there, but we don't know everything. Sometimes we get our audience to, to email us in and tell us about stuff. And sometimes we come across companies that we wish we knew about sooner. And one of those companies is a company called Autel Robotics. Now, let me start off by saying this. Everyone knows about, uh, you know, the DJI, and there's a new DJI drone coming out, the new Karma Go, GoPro Karma. We all know about this stuff. But we love sharing stuff with you guys that you may not know about. And after getting my hands on an X-Star premium drone, I, I have to say we may have a new bang-for-the-buck value drone champion. I'm, that's, I'm just going to tease you with that, Mark, in terms of everything you get, everything it does, performance, price, this drone will blow you guys away. So rather than have me go on, I was going to say drone on and on about it, but that was just too on the money. Rather than have me go on and on about it, we brought in Natalie Chang. She's Autel's director of communications, and she's going to be telling us all about the drone, everything that comes with it, everything it does. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Now, before we have obviously we have a lot to talk about the X Star Premium. Before we do that, for those of our, our listeners who aren't familiar with Autel, can you tell us a little bit about Autel Robotics and what you guys do? Yeah, so Autel Robotics is a drone manufacturer. Our flagship product is the X Star Premium. It is a 4K camera quadcopter. Um, our U.S. headquarters are just outside of Seattle, Washington. So that is where I am talking to you guys from. See on the West Coast, just like me, Mark. Listen, I, I know I'm 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 the Lone Ranger on the East Coast. <laughs> That's okay. So now I, I want to get started. When I first received the package, because you know Natalie was kind enough to send us an extra premium of our own that we could get our hands on to try and to tell you guys. And we're going to have our full our full blown review on next week's show. But for now. I, I, when I first, <laughs> I, I, I kind of got blown away when I received the package. Now, Natalie, a lot of drones claim that they come in their own case. Uh, but with the X-Star, you guys weren't messing around. We're not talking about two pieces of styrofoam held together by a makeshift plastic hinge. Okay, this drone actually comes in a proper hard shell case, right? Yeah, it sure does. So it is a zippered case. Um, it's splash proof. It's also uh, rated to go travel on your airplane. I bring it traveling uh, all the time, which is great. And it has a nice quality styrofoam interior that holds the drone perfectly in place and it can carry um, your batteries, your accessories. Uh, yeah, I definitely love the case and I love how convenient it is to use. 
No, and, and I love the I love the fact that you guys included, like I said, a real case. I think we've gotten so used to seeing soft shell or, you know, like I said, a piece of, you know, a hinged piece of styrofoam to put together. This is really a great case. It saves another expense of having to go out and get something. And really, really, you guys have made it so that the people that buy the X-Star Premium, they don't have to go out and get anything. I mean, I want to talk what's in, inside that case because, again, at every point I was kind of blown away by what you guys included. Even the micro SD card comes pre-installed and it's not an 8 or 16 gig card. You guys put in a 64 gig SanDisk name brand high speed ultra card. Talk about what else comes in the case when you get your X-Star Premium. Yeah, we sure did. We try to make it as easy as possible as always for our customers. Um, you'll notice we have uh, the X-Star drone itself. It is a 4K camera drone, 3-axis stabilized gimbal, comes totally integrated. It is actually modular design as well and that that uh, camera gimbal's modular, which we can probably get to later. Uh, you'll see the orange drone or white, also available in white. But then you have your remote controller, um, super easy to use. We have um, an LCD screen built into it. So you can provide your own uh, mobile device or tablet to use supplementar- as a supplement to uh, the whole package. But you can actually fly without as well. Um, we have some propellers, spare propellers, extra accessories for simple repairs, uh, the micro SD card, as you mentioned, and um, that case. For me, that's, you know, what else do you need to pack and go when you're getting ready for a drone adventure? You know, Natalie, what, what I love about this package is that really out of the box, you can go ahead and without any real complication, be up and flying in no time. You know, something that Mitchell mentioned to me was the charger even has its own built-in fan to avoid overheating. Like, these are small attentions to detail that really are overlooked by other manufacturers, and you guys have really gone far above and beyond. For, for those who aren't even familiar with the drone, I mean, you've got a three-axis stabilized gimbal. You've got a 4K camera that takes stunning video, ultra HD videos, 12-megapixel photos. I mean, there's so much technology in this package. How do you manage to do that and still make this uh, at an appeal, appealable price point for the consumer? Well, so we're really here to take care of our customer. That's a really big deal, very important to us. And you'll see that all across. Like you said, those small details, the remote controller, um, that row of one-touch flight keys, for me, that also just has kind of changed uh, drone flying for me in a small but very meaningful way. It's so intuitive. You just look at it, you know exactly how to fly. Um, and we also include that customer support card that you get with every XR Premium purchase. Uh, that's a really, that's big for us as well. So we do manufacture um, over in Shenzhen, China, and that's where our global headquarters are. That does help keep the costs low, um, as many drone companies also are based there. Um, but then we, our U.S. headquarters does a lot for uh, particularly customer support. We are open seven days a week in the U.S., um, here to help our customers at any point. And that's another big, you know, value add, long-term value add that we provide to our customers as well. You know, Natalie, uh, I, I was going to get to this later. I was going to talk about the support, but it's worth mentioning now because it is such a big deal, and I was very impressed because actually my first communication with Autel, I didn't go through the normal channels to get to you. I actually went through support, um, and it was a great experience. When I tell you, and they didn't know who I was. They didn't know, oh, is this guy legit? Who is this guy? 
I got I got three responses within a 25 minute period to my initial email to you guys, and this the, I was so impressed by this. And you know we still have to talk about the drone and the radio, like you mentioned, all the row of buttons. But it, I think support is such an important part of the drone process because number one, this is an ex, you know even though yours is probably the best priced for value out there, you're still spending you know eight ninety nine on a drone package or however much you're spending on a drone. People want to know that for that money, they're not you know the manufacturer isn't going to just say see. Yeah, thanks for the purchase. And you guys really do put emphasis on that. Now, am I right in that all the support is U.S.-based here, correct? Yes, it sure is. And so, like I said, you know, we source the um, product and the materials and everything overseas in China, which makes sense for that value. But then we are extra certain to provide our customer support U.S.-based for our U.S. customers, U.S. and Canadian customers. No, it's it's amazing, and it's and it was. I'm glad you brought that up before I did because it was one of the things also that really impressed me. Now, uh, I was telling Mark early on the favorite part is my ra- is the radio. It's maybe the best radio I've ever used with any drone at any price point. I was really impressed. Before we get to that, I have to compliment you on the drone itself, uh, the physical drone, the XR Premium, the, the build of it, the build quality is so good, the feature set is so rich. And Natalie, thank you. Finally, an orange drone. <laughs> Finally, an ar- to people, and Mark is laughing at me that I thought My this was a big color. deal. But well, but no, but it isn't that. It's that when you're flying a drone, a lot of people now this this drone has a great range on it. You can fly it, you know, <laughs> very far away from you, out, out of line of sight. I personally believe in line of sight flying. I like flying line of sight because that way I'll never get confused where it is and have to worry if it's going to be somewhere I can't get it back. And making it orange, Natalie, I can see it in the sky wherever it is. It seems like a little thing, but that's a big deal, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's so funny when um, we first started showing these, people would ask me about it and I would say, well, it seems kind of silly or people would kind of roll their eyes when I said the color orange is a big deal. It's not just because it's an aesthetic appeal and it, I mean, right. it, is, it looks cool, but it is a functional feature that you can see it farther. And if you're um, complying with, you know, the FAA rules of staying within visual line of sight, that orange color gives you a little more distance. The radio itself, as you said, has this dedicated row of buttons, which is phenomenal because I find that there's a lot of confusion when it comes to to using an app, for example, trying to figure out, okay, how do I take off? How do I land? How do I, how do, I do it? Um, how important was that to bring those those basic functions, but important functions, onto the radio itself? Oh, to me, like I said, I mean, I have flown drones before the X-Star Premium even existed, and that was huge for me, making it so intuitive. You literally press a button to start the motors, press a button to take off. Uh, and then from there, you just can control the drone. And I think that, it, again, it's those little details that makes drone flying more accessible, more enjoyable, and kind of takes away some of those barriers to entry. If people are either intimidated or don't really know, um, don't think that they can fly a drone. Well, you sure can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I had someone tell me once at a show that they had their eight-year-old daughter open up the box and try to fly, of course, in an open, safe space, but just from looking at the remote controller and looking at um, the drone, they were able to go ahead and take off and fly. Of course, I don't recommend that. I always recommend (laughs) reading the manual, 
but it is very intuitive. Well, it's funny because we're so we're so used to this day and age where you connect a smartphone or or some kind of a tablet to your actual uh, radio these days and get a lot more information, get the live picture, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact of the matter is, when these things were first developed, there were no iPhones, there were none of this you know, these gadgets behind it. But you know, t- talk to us about the Starlink app for a second, because you know, aside from giving you this beautiful viewfinder into the actual flying experience. The software element of things is exciting because it can constantly evolve over time. You know, there's the basic feature set, but what kind of development is ongoing with the Starlink app itself that helps and augments the actual experience using the drone? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like I said, the tablet and mobile device definitely enhances the experience of flying the drone. Of course, we have a kind of backup screen that lets you have all of your telemetry information. So you do get um, that even without the mobile device. But if you're flying with the mobile device, you do get your first-person view, so that beautiful live HD um, view of what your camera drone is seeing and what you're capturing, which is awesome. But then, you know, we're always listening to our customers. I keep, I can't say it enough. You know, we really emphasize our customers. We emphasize our relationship with our customers and listening to our customers and taking their feedback and continuing to improve the experience. You get some really um, advanced features through the Starlink app. For example, you get your autonomous flight features. You can do a um, follow where the drone will follow your controller. You can do an orbit. We can choose a point of interest in the orbit. And you can do a waypoint flight where you can look at a map and basically send a drone, send the drone on its uh, mission based on the GPS location. That's I think those are kind of my favorite uh, features through the Starlink app. But um, we just continue to keep adding more and more, whether it's camera features or even flight features available through the app. You know, you, you mentioned the flying experience, and of course, you know, build quality, all that stuff. None of this means anything if the drone doesn't fly. And I have to tell you, I've taken it for, and, and I don't want to give too much away because, as I said, we're going to have our full blown review next week uh, of the X Star Premium. But the flight experience was nothing short of brilliant. I mean, getting it in the air. And here's here's what kind of impressed me, Natalie. And, I, and this is kudos to the engineering team and the programmers, everyone that worked on the hardware and software side. It's very hard to find that balance of being a smooth flying drone that you're able to get great video from, even at high speed or at higher speeds, while at the same time making it uh, making it very responsive. Because some drones, you know, do one very well, but they can be sluggish when you fly. Others can be very twitchy because they react to the sticks a little bit too much. You guys seem to find the sweet spot where the drone reacts quickly, yet still gives you beautiful, smooth video while flying. Was this, a, was this something that you guys want to do to try to find that balance between having something that's sporty and having something that takes beautiful video? Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, I think the X-Star Premium is a really great starter drone for several reasons, as we touched on, but it also is sophisticated enough to cover a lot of different use cases. And so, you know, whether you're flying it as your first drone ever or you are a photographer, a videographer, you know, focusing on trying to get the perfect shot or even just doing a roof inspection um, or a hobbyist flying for fun and you like the thrill of putting something up in the air, uh, to me, the X-Star kind of can do all of that. Um, and on that note, I all, will also mention that uh, in the U.S. we have the new Part 107 rules for commercial flying where the FAA has now made it a lot easier for people to fly drones for professional or commercial purposes. Um, again, professional photography, inspection, you know, agriculture, whatever it might be. And Autel Robotics is really proud to offer 
a $150 um, incentive in the form of a rebate to our customers who take and pass the test to become a commercial oh, drone cool. pilot. And again, you know, that's us, you know, saying to our customers, hey, if you want to explore how to use drones and how aerial, uh, how putting a camera in the sky can help your business or help your industry, we want to work with you. Um, and that's our gesture. That's great. I was going to say, as if you guys didn't do enough for your customer base to begin with. I mean, we're talking about, you know, the X-Star Premium costs eight ninety nine for everything you guys have just heard. Everything. I'm not talking about, you don't know, you'd have to separately to get a screen. No, the screen comes built into the controller. You get the case, the battery, the neck strap, which is another great touch you guys put in. A 64 gig ultra sand disc card. Everything that we talked about here for eight ninety nine, which is an incredible value. And as Natalie just said, uh, even a rebate for those that decide to take the commercial course, which is another thank you from Autel to its consumers. And Natalie, I've got to tell you, you you've got to come back and join us again. I, I was so impressed by what you guys do. Uh, one more time, um, if people want to learn more, they can go to autelrobotics.com uh, to learn more about Autel and what they, and, and of course the Xstar Premium. And uh, you can also go, and Natalie's going to blush now, you can also go to YouTube and look at Autel's videos because then you can actually see Natalie giving instructions and talking about the drone and everything it does as well, which was kind of fun because then I got to put a face to the voice, which was kind of fun for me. So, Natalie, please come back again. I know you guys are going to be putting out more stuff, updating through software. Will you come back and join us again? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, also stay tuned for updates to hardware. Bring value to our customers as well. And it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Oh, you guys, too, and you managed to put in a great tease, so there's going to be more functionality <laughs> coming from that modular unit underneath the drone. <laughs> Natalie Chang, Director of Communications for Autel, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Coming up, we go to Glasgow, Scotland, and David Weir for some Gears of War updates. It is Your Tech Report. Marco Flalo and Mitchell Whitfield on Twitter, at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report, and, of course, contact at YourTechReport.com. Your Tech Report will be right back. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to your Tech Report. Mark Flatlow in Montreal, Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. And the reason I bring up our locations, Mitchell Whitfield, is because yes. we are also joined again this week by David Weir in Glasgow, Scotland. David, welcome back. We are just, you know what, we're catching up on all our gaming. We take, we take these uh, hiatus, so to speak, uh, of gaming every once in a while because we got to cater to every one of our audience. Uh, all four of you, I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> um, David, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I can't complain. I mean, we're, we talked Forza last week, and I, I, I must admit something. I, I was trying to get it going on my Mac. Absolute fail. Absolute fail. You know. <laughs> so if you're going to try and get a game to work on a on a PC, make sure that your PC can actually handle it. Because well, well, this is, I was, I was going to say, David and I could have told you this a long time ago, of course. And, and what my response to you, Mark, was, you know, Macs, of course, not known for their gaming. If you, of course, have a Mac Pro, the older Mac Pro seemed to be able to, you know, had the, had the power to game on, as well as the new ones. But you're saying it's not so much a power, but it's a software thing, right? Well, it seems to be. It, it prompted me that I didn't have the right version of DirectX, which apparently, it just happens to, you know, fall into Parallels, Parallels 12. So I'm going to check out. I'm sure there's some fixes to this before I go ahead and delete all 40 gigs of beautiful Forza goodness. But we're not talking about Forza this week, are we? 
Now, we are, we're talking uh, something else with a four in the name. See what I did right there? Uh, and David, I know, David shaking his head. Oh, you had to go there. I know, Forza versus Gears of War 4, or Gears 4, as a lot of people are calling it. So here we are, David, and next to the Halo franchise, which, of course, is you know very much representative of the Microsoft brand in terms of gaming, correct? There are two other franchises that people look forward to, the Forza series, whether it's traditional Forza or their Horizon series. At Gears of War, in terms of shooters, is right there as like 1A next to Halo, wouldn't you say? And this next game, the one that has just come out, Gears 4, just released, and, and it released as part of Microsoft's new mandate to have games that, if you buy digitally on one platform, you can get it on the other, you know, PC versus Xbox, they're, they're play anywhere. So David, here we go, Gears of War 4, initial impressions, you played it on PC, am I correct? I played it on both PC and Xbox. Okay, so here we go. Um, so wh- let, let's have your initial thoughts because you start. We started talking about it before we went on the air, and I was like, "Nope, save it for the show." I want to hear what you have to say on the show. Well, let's put it this way: After, over the last couple of years, I may have complained a few times about some really shoddy PC launches. Not you. Yeah. You don't complain. No, I never complain. I, Not I'm a, you. A wonderful and calm Scotsman. Um, <laughs> but Gears Four might be the sterling example of how you do a PC port. It's it's perfectly optimized. It has enough graphic options to satisfy even the most picky of PC players. Right. It runs at a perfect 60 FPS on my reg. I've tried I tried it out on a couple of other regs. It still was able to be optimized to a level to have a perfect frame rate. Um and I could easily without any glitches play co- campaign co-op with my friends who are on Xbox One. See We're- no, see, that, that, but this is what we're talking about now. We, we talk about, you know, a game, the most perfectly optimized game for PC, but didn't, don't you think a lot of effort, because of the cross-play features, uh, because of the Play Anywhere, where, you know, you can play Xbox, you can, you know, continue to start on one system. That's another thing we don't really talk about, that you're able to start the game or play the game on one system, have it save the game wherever you are. Then when you pick up on your other system, whether it's PC or Xbox, you're continuing exactly where you left off, right? And this is something that was really important to them, to have a similar experience and to have it buttery smooth on both yeah and it has to be because the one thing that isn't cross-play across the entire thing is the multiplayer it's specifically the versus multiplayer you're playing horde you're playing co-op those are all cross-play but because people on pc have mouse keyboard faster refresh rates faster monitors they have an unfair advantage on a versus game so in order to stop that you have if you want to play versus against xbox players you're playing on an xbox you want to play versus against pc players you're playing on a pc there's a lot of people complaining about this and they want to there is talk about them creating a cross-play playlist, at least, where you can choose to go play with another platform. But that said, I spent the last two hours before we even started recording today constantly playing Versus on the Xbox. It still runs at 60 FPS. It's still fast as anything. And it's possibly still the best Gears multiplayer I've ever played. And I played Gears 1 for about four years straight. See, see, this is what I wanted to ask you about because I've been doing. This is good. We're, we're like the, you know, Jack Spratt and his wife. I'll, I'll let you decide which one of us we are. Uh, you know, you were doing more. Uh, you did. You played everything there is to play with the game, uh, especially multiplayer. I've been doing more of the single player campaign on my Xbox One S, and we're going to talk about the advantages on the One S for those of you who have that, as well as a 4K TV. But talk a little bit about the multiplayer because what people worry about. Let's talk about people worry about latency, which leads, of course, to lag. They worry about being able to find a game. They worry about game balance when they play. So addressing these things in terms of the lag, the latency, finding a game, and then once the game is there, uh, how the game plays with other players in the room in the game with you. Talk about these features and how well they work when you're playing multiplayer. 
Okay, well, from my experience of at least the last couple of days, which is possibly the best way to think about it, because now the game's out properly from right. Tuesday, where now everyone can buy the game rather than just Ultimate Edition people. Right. There has been almost no problem getting a game. There's okay, no that's good. Finding a crowd. There has been some problem. This is a player-based thing of people dropping out of games when they feel they're losing. That's human uh, error. That's just the Yahoo's be, that do that. There yeah. needs to be more of a sort of punishment for that, but we'll get back to that. The but. Apart from that, it feels incredibly smooth in a way that no Gears game really has since the first one. I've always found 2 and 3 to be fairly too floaty. They always felt like you didn't quite feel as solid as the first game did. This okay. just feels like incredibly well-based. It feels incredible like there's a foundation that they've just built on. And it might be the best prescription, actually, for the entire thing is, do you remember how we praised Halo 4 when it came out? Yeah. When 343 took over from Bungie? Yep. This is what the coalition have done from taking over from Epic. They've just taken everything and just gone, how can we, we won't massively change everything, but we'll just take a little step further and improve everything that's already there. And, and I think that's all people are asking for. And I think there's this big misconception or maybe skewed expectation, David and Mark, when when uh, when a game gets taken over by another developer, uh, when a new iteration of a well-known franchise comes out, the next version, even even what if it's something like a FIFA or an NHL or a Madden game, when the next iteration comes out, I think people expect sometimes wrong, most of the time wrongfully so, we are going to overhaul everything, we're going to take everything and make it... When the fact is... All people want is a continuation of the experience that, you know, that rings true to what they've had before, fixing what didn't work, massaging, making little bit incremental improvements. And sometimes that's all people are asking for. And I was really impressed. Something that happened to, for me a little bit differently in this game, David, taking it to the first, uh, you know, the solo campaign a little bit. I was I really enjoyed the way they led you into this game, starting the, with the press conference, starting you know going back. I really enjoyed that. Was that something you got into also, or was it just me? The, yeah, the prologue showing the free flashbacks to sort of yes. major events in in the gears history. That and was, letting you play them. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I was just like, wait, are they just are they letting me play the pendulum wars? <laughs> okay, yes. And then you show you E Day, which is like the first day the locust turn up, and then like the final battle against the locust. And it was right. I was like. That's how you show people who maybe haven't played the game what this is about, as well as people who are sitting there going, oh, wait, I've only ever heard of this. Let's, let's see this. Now, you just touched on something really important. I just want to jump in here a second because you're right. When you have a number four of any game, guys, it's important that you don't... Uh, you know, you don't ostracize, you don't push off your, your people that want to jump in and feel, well, I can't get this game. I have to go play one, two, and three first. And this was a really smart way of them bringing people into the fold and not alienating people that maybe didn't play one, two, or three, which, by the way, they probably should. And another thing to say about, especially the, the campaign, is that Gears 3, for example, was by the end of it this huge, bombastic, like, you know, armies going to war, you know, massive stakes. Whereas Gears 4 you could have quite easily gone, oh, well, we're, we're taking over, so we'll do something on that scale. Right. Whereas the coalition went, no, let's bring it right back down. And essentially, it's a story about three friends looking for the people they care about. It's a more intimate game. Yeah, and, so, and for that, it actually works so much better. There's so many new things coming out. It's obviously building for much more further on in the series. But at the same time, this is an incredibly close story about three people. And Liam McIntyre... And Laura Bailey, especially, just nail it coming out of the park. Didn't realize that Liam McIntyre, who plays JD, is the same guy who plays Weather Wizard on The Flash. <laughs> That's and right. He's also Australian. 
No, and, and, and you talk about something, and Mark, I think you'll you'll understand this as well. I know you're not <clears throat> as big into the big shooters as we are, but the fact is, I think something that has done very well for Sony, if we're bringing it over to Sony for one second, I know we're talking about a Microsoft property, one of their biggest properties, something that Sony has done very well with is integrating story into their action games. And I think in terms of company mandates, Sony probably does that better than any other big company, taking their stories like the, whether it's The Last of Us, uh, Nathan Drake stuff, integrating, weaving stories into the action. And this is something that Gears has done incredibly well because then you have this great shooter that you also care about the characters in. And that's something, that's a combination that we traditionally haven't seen so much on Xbox shooters as much as we have maybe on Sony shooters. And that's something I think that was really important because story, if we are taking this, if we are taking gaming seriously as a medium, uh, at it's competing with the, it's, it's surpassed movie and storytelling. If we are taking this seriously, storytelling, writing becomes paramount. And David, we've seen a lot of writers coming over from film and television, big, big award-winning writers coming and telling the stories in video games. So for us to talk about the story and caring about the characters in a shooter, this is, this is a real advancement sort of in what video game has been in the past, don't you think? Oh, definitely. I mean, we've, we've got to a point now where you can sell a game on its story. You couldn't have done that right. 10 years ago. You could have done it to a very select crowd, but you can't. You couldn't have done it to your average guy who just wants to pick up something for the weekend. You know? Yeah. And I have managed to sell, for example, to friends like The Last of Us or Uncharted 4. People, I've got friends who would never play an Uncharted game who I went, no, no, you, you need to play you, Uncharted 4. You need 4. to do this, right? And the, because of the story. And they've gone, okay, and then come back to me and gone, okay, I understand what you mean. I get it now. Well, you know what? I mean, we are, after all, <clears throat> again, I'm getting emotional. We are, after all, a tech show. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm losing my voice here, Mark. Help me out here. Um, <clears throat> but one of the things I want to talk about, because we like talking about the technology of games as well as the games and the stories themselves. And one of the things people talk about when they talk about Gears of War 4, Gears 4 is bringing HDR gaming. Not bringing, but it's one of the games that has HDR, high dynamic range, that can be viewed on the Xbox One S, which I am playing on. And Mark, it does require, of course, a 4K television. Now, although the game isn't 4K, HDR is a 4K feature in terms of television. So I've been playing in 4K with HDR, and I'm here to tell you, Mark, you need to get an HDR 4K television. It is magnificent. But I also want to tell you that there are some little tricks, and what people don't know is HDR gaming needs to be tuned properly on the particular television that you have. If you love going to YouTube, as I do, or if you just want some information, if you go to YouTube and put in HDR gaming, there are gamers out there that will tell you that maybe have your specific brand. There are a lot of Samsung gamers out there that will tell you how to tune the game for your particular television. But David, more importantly, it gives you in the menu a lot of ways to tweak your HDR experience. By They have different sliders for HDR versus regular graphics. So, if you are gaming on a 4K television and you do want to experience the game in eight, you know, with its HDR features, make sure you go into the video settings and tune the HDR accordingly. David, well, Mark, go ahead. I'm sorry. Have you tried back and forth doing the you know on off to see what the real difference is in terms of the feel oh, of the game? Come on, it's of me. Course. Okay, of course, so, I have. So, and your experience was obviously. Uh, my experience is it. It isn't just a selling point. It really, you really can see, and I, this this goes for Forza as well, guys. You really can see the one. You know, the high dynamic range has to do with color and contrast, the two C's. That's what this that's what HDR really pops. The colors will pop and the range of colors will pop. Something televisions and you know, games on television have problems doing is when there's something very bright on the screen, it has trouble showing things very dark at the 
same time and vice versa. With HDR turned on, you will see the blackest blacks and the sharpest whites on the same screen with supreme contrast. The colors, the, I mean, David, when you're playing Forza, you know those beautiful, you know, and Mark, you as well, you know those orange skies that you start to see as the sun sets in Australia, the orange and blue backdrop against the clouds. That pops so much with HDR tuned up. And again, there are sliders that let you increase the HDR for your television and you can really see the colors and the contrast, the black. It really, it's one of those little, it's one, it's a subtle thing that brings you more into the game. Even if you don't know what it is, it brings you and it immerses you into the game. What's coming up gaming-wise in terms of releases before the holidays? Oh, well, right, well wow. next week. We've, <laughs> no, sorry. Ever, yes, next week. Um, I know what you're or available about, yeah. this weekend, early access, is Battlefield 1 okay. from EA. Titanfall 2 comes out by the end of this month. Can't which, wait for that. Point, at which point, I'll come on, record a show, and then be disappear for, like, ever. Um, <laughs> we've got the uh, Last Guardian finally coming out on PS4. Are you sure, David? I, I'm still convinced that's going to disappear before the end of the year. We've got the only Call of Duty game I've been interested in in over 10 years, wow. Infinite Warfare, which actually looks fun. I'm a little confused and not sure how to deal with that. Wait, let me let me jump in here a second, please, because a lot of people have been talking about the is it the Modern Warfare remaster that comes with the special edition of that? Yeah, that's what comes with it. I was never a big fan of Modern Warfare. I don't really care. There's spaceships and zero gravity fighting. <laughs> I want to do that. Uh, David Weir, thank you again for joining us. Uh, all of you, follow us on Twitter again. It's at uh, Your Facebook.com slash Your Tech and of course uh, Your Thank you. That wraps up uh, this week's show. David, we'll speak to you in a couple weeks, obviously, with some uh, great fun stuff. And Mitchell, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again next week right here. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com.